As in Texas, I like what you say. Are you fired up? Fired up. Say fired up. Hey, man. I'm fired up. Uh, you know, I know if God puts me, you on my heart, then he's already speaking to you. And so I know he's, he's really pointing out some folks here today. I don't know exactly what that means. I, I, you know, I, I have, because I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe I have the gift of prophecy. I don't believe I operate in the office of prophet, but God speaks to me. And uh, he puts people in my path, in my wife's path, in your path, that you know you're supposed to go after. You're not supposed to uh, just let that, let that go to the side, wayside. But even if you don't go to that person that God's put on your heart, uh, you need to begin to intercede for them. Amen? So if, somebody, if God's put somebody in your path and you go, well, Lord, why did that person come up? Why do they just seem to be on my mind all the time? Listen, there's a godly reason for that. Don't dismiss what God is speaking to you. So many people, they go, well, I'm just not sure if that's the devil or God. Well, you know what? The devil's not going to have you pray for anybody. Come on. You know, just, sometimes we just get so spiritual, I'm just not sure. Well, the devil wants you to go to hell. That's what he wants. He wants all of us to go to hell. And we want to take as many people with us because we're going to heaven. Amen? I've got to catch my breath here. We're preaching on restoring the kingdom. Part 10. One of those parts I never preached, and they said that was the best sermon I never preached. <laughs> it, was on, it was the one on healing, and uh, honestly, guys, you need to be aware when God's healing you, and, and then share your testimony when God heals you. You know why we share our testimony? Because it builds people's faith. But more than that, it gives glory to God. And so, I mean, I, you know, Rowdy, he did the right thing. He went to the doctor, had the surgery, but he gave the glory to God. You know? And that's how it works. Uh, we, we send people to doctors even after they've, you know, they say, well, I've been healed, Pastor. And I say, yeah, but go and get it checked, get it verified. And it's even a greater testimony when the doctor says you're healed. You know, it just has, has a lot of weight uh, in the community, especially with your lost friends. You know, you... They say, well, what happened? Well, I got prayed for it. And what happened then? Well, I got healed. Well, why did you go to the doctor? Well, I want the doctor to confirm that. And when the doctor confirms that, then they go, oh, oh, okay. You mean he diagnosed you, but then he pronounced that you're healthy and you're whole? Well, that, that bears a lot of weight, especially with a lost community. And it builds, it builds the Christian community's faith. So uh, we should always be about building one another's faith. That's what the body of Christ does. We assemble together. All these weird parts that God gave us, we, <laughs> we assemble together. You know what you know we're talking about? When you assemble a car, it takes a lot of weird different parts, and some of them are shiny, some of them are on the outside. Everybody sees some of them are internal parts that you can't see, like the crankshaft. But how many of you know if you don't have a crankshaft working, I don't care how pretty your car is, you're just going to sit there and rust. So we've got to have everybody assembled together. Uh, that's part of this restoring the kingdom of God. We need to come together as one and, and go out and do what God's called us to do. We don't stay in here and do it. We go out and do it. That's what the church does. Uh, last week, we talked about it in possessing our inheritance, and that kind of leads into that. I didn't plan it that way, but, you know, when, when God gives you a promise and gives you something, an inheritance, then he says you've got to go and possess it. You just can't sit on your laurels. And what are laurels anyway? You, you, your tush. You can't just sit on your tush 
and expect God to do what you want, you know, oh, he's going to go do this. And no, he's going to use you to do that. And so he calls us to get up and go. Now, there's times for resting. There's times for going. There's times for, for a reaping. There's times for sowing. And time to live, time to die. Time to die. <laughs> so today, as we're collectively here, as the body of Christ assembled together, we're going to look at more about this inheritance. Because I think it's very interesting in the... In the because all of us, if you've ever studied the Bible very much, you always probably came to the conclusion, well, those Israelites were just the dumbest people I've ever seen. Anybody ever think that? Miracle, part the Red Sea. Oh, let's, uh, he's deserted us and let's build a golden calf. I mean, that's the way their, their whole history was. God intervened, did something great, and then they turn around and spat in his face, so to speak. They just, well, he's not God anymore. He doesn't do that stuff anymore. But guys, we do the same thing in a, in a certain way. We, we see God do a great and mighty miracle, but then the next time something comes against us, oh, God, what are we going to do? You know, we forgot. We forget very quickly. So we have to learn when God has placed us in this position of going and taking our inheritance and believing and trusting and taking hold of the promises, there are certain things that we have to do to maintain that. We have to maintain, just like you would have to maintain your car, just, to, just like you need to get an oil change every so many thousand miles and, and get these checkups. Listen, you're running with that, when, you, when you're running with that oil, you will burn up your engine. You run without gas, you won't go anywhere. There are all, there's things that we have to maintain in the natural, even in our physical bodies, that we need to maintain in the spiritual. So I want us to go back to Joshua. We're going to really scoot forward into Joshua 21. And I'm going to go through these nine points. See, I, went, I didn't go to seminary, so y'all don't, y'all don't get by with a three-point sermon. Nine points that we're going to go through pretty rapidly, and I want you to take notes if, if you can. We're going to look at Joshua 21. This is after all the conquests. So the Lord gave to uh, 43, Joshua 21, 43. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. Remember, it was their fathers that were supposed to get it, and they didn't get it because they died in the wilderness. And they took possession of it. That was the next generation. They took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to, to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Wouldn't you like to live a life when you see all the God's promises, all of them come to pass in your life? Boy, you're excited this morning. Woo! God delivers on His promises. But it wasn't without some battles. Remember the thing called Jericho and the walls? And remember after the, immediately after the great conquest of, Je- of Jericho, they went in, thought they would go in and just wipe out this little army called, from Ai. That was the name of the, of the, of the community or the, or the region of the tribe. The Ais, Ai. <laughs> and they got defeated by this little group of people because what? They had sin in the camp. And they had to eradicate the sin so they could continue on their quest. So what, that's what happens in our natural lives. We have this level of, of victory, and all of a sudden, you know that when the enemy strikes the best and the most efficiently is right after we have a victory. Because he comes in blind, and you know, he blindsides you. Oh, where did everything? Oh, man, he gets you. You're not thinking about it anymore. You're not, you're not alarmed. You're not, you're not uh, armored up. And all of a sudden, he blindsides you and gets you when you're not thinking about it, and then you're not looking for it. So they had these battles. They won battles. They had lost a battle, but they regrouped and regrouped. They regrouped, and they, they got rid of the sin and their camp, and they continued on and began to conquer all the territory that God said was theirs. Isn't that awesome? Now I want you to flip over to Judges. We're going to stay in Judges just for just one little part. 
Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. Judges chapter 2. It's the next chapter over. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. All the days of Joshua. (laughs) And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua had been seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, I'm not going to make a joke. The servant of the Lord died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Heteris in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Is that amazing or what? Does that blow your mind or what? God had just done all that. The next generation, ah, who is he? What, what did he do? Hmm, somebody forgot to pass that on to the next generation. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. Go figure. They provoked him to anger. I mean, he's done all this, delivered them into all this beautiful land that they possess. He gave it to them. He even made the walls come down. I'm Jericho. He said, just go in and take it. It's yours. And in the next generation, they forsook him. They forgot about him. They did evil in this side. They began to worship other gods. Isn't that crazy? You know anybody like that? Hmm. So what went wrong? I think it's one thing to gain an inheritance and another to maintain it. So go back to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua 23. We're going to go right, very rapidly. Oh, wow, it's already 11, 18. Wow. I've got 12 minutes to preach. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh, boy, 12 minutes. Isn't that crazy? I think you could say anything in 12 minutes. Now, it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies around about them, that Joshua was old and advanced in age, and Joshua called for the... For all for Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and said to them, I am old, I'm advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Number one, write this down. There's a time to rest and give glory to God. Once you've had a conquest, there is a time to rest. When God says to rest, you need to rest. Some people are so busy doing things for the kingdom of God that they forget to rest and get rejuvenated in God. They forget their focus should be God instead of the things they're con- that they're conquering. Well, I'm going to do deliverance this week. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... No, there's a time that you need to get alone with God. That's why he created the Sabbath day. He said, there's rest. Quit working all the time. And some people say, well, I've got to work. I've got to work. I've got to pay the bills. Well, maybe you're over, you know, you're overextended. You need to let go of some things. Amen. <laughs> that was popular. Well, I well, lot my TV, <laughs> my flat screen. <laughs> I can't get rid of that. So there might be some things you need to cull out. You know? you know what we do in America, don't you? We get so much stuff that we have to get storage rooms to put our stuff in. Then we have to pay an extra bill to rent a storeroom. I, I know. Verse 4. 
See, I have divided you by these by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan, with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight, so you shall possess their land as the Lord God promised you. Okay, after you've rested, there's a time to continue on and take more possessions. So what he's saying here. All right, you've conquered this. I've given you this land. Now, don't stop there. I've got more for you to do. How many of you know? And I'm not going to try to, I don't ever try to offend anybody. I just sometimes a word does. But, you know, there's no retirement for Christians. There is no retirement for Christians. We don't get to a certain age. Well, I've done all I'm going to do for Jesus. I just think I'll get in the RV and go. But if you get in that RV and go, you better be going with Jesus. And telling people about Jesus from your RV. I don't know if any of you follow Bobby Chance on his little trek back to L.A. and then back to Oklahoma City. had a blown tire, and they, that blown tire had them stopping in Winslow, Arizona, just like the Eagles, you know. Got the lead a man to the Lord that helped him with the tire. Then they had to go to a, a convenience store, got the lead a man to the Lord, the convenience store. And got to lead another couple to the Lord. They were homeless, living in a bay of a car wash. Uh, an ex, an ex veteran, a war veteran, got to lead them to the Lord. Now, there's no retirement for us, guys, girls, ladies. There's no time that you just say, you know, I'm done. Jesus, me and you were good. I'm tired. I'm going to heaven. I'll see you in about 20 years. Just doesn't work that way. So, time to continue to possess. Philippians three, Paul said this: Not that I've already retained. Or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. He said, whatever God's got for me, I'm going after it. I'm going after him, laying hold of it. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, I used to think what he meant there was uh, forgetting those things that are behind. I always thought that that was his bad past. But you know what he's talking about? All the conquests that he had already taken, all the things that already happened, all the healings, all the miracles. He said, I'm, those are behind me. I'm still going for more. Amen? Sometimes we, 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 we look at verses, and sometimes God gives us a revelation of a different way to look at the verse. Number three, you hear this probably every sermon. It's called simple obedience. Verse 6, therefore be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. If you want to maintain your inheritance, if you want to take care of the promises God's given you, you've got to walk in obedience, simple obedience. Number 4, don't compromise with the enemy. Verse 7, unless you go among these nations, these, these who remain among you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. There's an old mafia saying that says, keep your friends close, but your enemies even closer. But that's exactly the opposite of what Christians should do. You know that? We should keep our enemies way away. All those people that are bad influences in our life, we need to keep our distance from them. But we need to keep our community of believers close, our friends in Christ close, because they're going to encourage you when you do slip and have that enemy Come into your camp. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
I like the New Life version here. It says, do not let anyone fool you. Bad people can make those who want to live good become bad. (laughs) Can I read that again? Do not let anyone fool you. Bad people can make those who want to live good become bad. In other words, it's, it's, it's important who you hang out with. It's very important how you choose your friends, how you allow people to speak into your life. Listen, if you have the wrong people speaking in your life, they can speak death, they can speak curses into your life, and you'll think, well, that's my friend, so I guess they're talking truth. No! If they're not speaking life, they're not your buddy-buddy. They're not your friend. If they're speaking death, if they're speaking word curses over you, you need to distance yourself from them. And cancel the, the effect of the words. Cancel the words that have been spoken over you that are words of death and not life. Don't partner with that junk. Don't compromise with the enemy. Listen, I mean, I could go off and, and, and just tell you what they did. They, they intermarried. They married people that were not of their faith. You know, I would take that more as what we look at back then as intermarrying. I know people intermarry today, and, and I'm totally not against that, okay? I am against intermarrying when you're a Christian and the other person isn't. You're unequally yoked, and guess what? You're, that's a recipe for disaster, no compromise. No compromise. Want to maintain your inheritance? Watch out who you associate with. Number five, abide in the Lord. Verse 8 says, But you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Hold fast in this verse. I looked it up in the Hebrew. It means this, to cling, to stay close, to cleave, to cle- keep close, to stick to, stick with, follow closely, join to, overtake, catch. That's a pretty good description of hanging on. You know, it, it just is. Hang on to this. Ooh, hold, hold on to it. Hang on to the Word of God. Hang on, to, hang on to what God's doing in your life, the promises that He's given you. Take those things that God has given you and abide in Him, and you will see great and mighty things take place. John 15, 9 says, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Abide. Hang on. Stick to. Draw close. Abide. Number six. Take heed to love God. Now, this seems kind of funny that you would have to, that pastor would have to mention this. But look at verse 9. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. Isn't that cool? One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Do I have to tell you to love him? But, but really, he, that's what they did. They, they forgot of God's love. In Judges, we see they forgot about, they didn't take heed of the love of God. They forgot His love. This word love in, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, is, is the Hebrew word is ahab, A-H-A-B, and it means to desire, to love, to long for, to delight in. Now, it would appear to me that that's a choice. Say, love is a choice. So we have to take heed to to choose to love God every day. You know, oh, I'm just going to love Him. No, you need to reckon, be aware of the love that He has for you. You need to be aware of the love that you have for Him. 
It's kind of like a husband and wife relationship. They can, they can grow cold if you quit telling each other you love them or showing your love to them. Amen? Amen. It happens. You, you can just all of a sudden take that person for granted, and all of a sudden you just forget that you didn't tell them that you love them, you didn't kiss them on the cheek, or you didn't do whatever, you didn't buy them flowers or candy or, 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 or whatever. But God is the same way with God. Sometimes we just forget He's right here because He's so accessible and He's so faithful. We, we take Him for granted sometimes and we don't take heed to love Him. Revelations 2, 1 through 4. Let me show you why you should do this. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says He who holds the seven stars in His right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered. You have patience. You have labored for my name's sake and have not become worried. Woo, what an awesome church. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Man, they've done all this. Oh, what about verse 4? Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Ay, ay, ay. We've, we've done this. We feed the, we feed the hungry. We, we take in the, the homeless. We help, we help people with addictions. We, uh, we uh, help people with all sorts of manner of problems, with emotional problems. We pray for the sick. We do all this stuff, God. Man, we're, we're, a, we're a happening church. We're a good church. And we can do all that, guys. But if we forgot how much he loves us and how much we should love him, we, we could be in trouble. That nevertheless, you've done all this, but nevertheless, I have this against you that you've, you've left your first love. So, how do we return to our first love? Verse 5 tells us remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you say it. Now, if you're new here and you haven't you're visiting today, we have a good definition for repent. You might have heard all your life that it's a repent. It means to turn and go the other way. It's a military term. I've never, never actually heard it. Do they still use it? Like if you're marching? They repent! I, I don't know. <laughs> do they use Anybody in the military, do they use that anymore? What do they say? Turn around or about face? To the rear march. Yeah, yeah. why don't they use that one? They could use one word. But you've heard that maybe. How many of you heard that talk it's about turning and going the opposite way you've been going? Well, there's a better definition for it in the Bible. If you look at it in the Greek, it actually means to change the way you think. Because you actually, I mean, I know people that, that they go to AA and they, they still confess that they're alcoholics, right? Anybody go to AA and they... Oh, George, I'm alcoholic. You know, they, they, they say that, which I'm totally against saying that. If you want to talk to me later, I'll be glad to talk to you about it. But they get up and confess who they used to be. But I also know people that, that have said, well, I don't drink anymore, and I've, I've repented, but I still want to drink every day. So you see, they haven't really repented because they still have the mindset that they need that alcohol. She's using alcohol for an example. So they haven't changed the way they think about alcohol. Y'all getting my drift? 
They, they've said it. They might have declared it. They might have walked away from it. They might stay away from it. But listen, in their heart of hearts, they say, oh, I want to drink. I want to drink. They have not repented. So you can turn away. You can do an about face from your sin. But if you're still longing to do it, if that's still in the forefront of your mind, you have not repented because God wants to take that away from you. You have your dominion over sin. It should not have dominion over you. Amen. Number seven, a warning. If you're going to maintain your inheritance, you have to heed warnings. He says, or else, if you don't take heed to love God, he says, if, you, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, make marriages with them and go unto them and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps. Say snares and traps. To you, and scourges on your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Man, that just does not sound like happy times. That doesn't sound like happy days. Anybody remember the show Happy Days? One day to a happy day. You know, that doesn't sound like very much of a happy day. When you walk away from the Lord and you start compromising in sin, you start doing the things that you know that you, you shouldn't do. And you find yourself away from God. Listen, he says there is a price to pay for that. He's not going to battle for you anymore. Because you know why? You've taken it out of his hands. Did you know when you operate in your flesh and you try to fix things, you have actually taken it out of God's hands. And he says, okay, you got it. Do the best you can with it. Because you're not trusting me to do it. So you do it yourself. And guess what happens when we do it ourselves? We mess up big time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're walking in your flesh. You're trying to fix stuff. And all of a sudden you go, what happened? I get this mess. And God said, well, you got in this mess because you quit trusting me. You didn't let me go before you. See, we like to fix stuff. We're, we're fixers. We want to fix people. We want to go do God's job instead of let God do his job. A lot of times we'll barrel into a situation without even praying. We want to ask God to go before us and make a way for us even to come into that situation. You know, well, that's the Old Testament God. He doesn't do things like that anymore. Well, there's still this thing called blessings and curses. There's still this thing called uh, of God being with us and for us. And when we push him to the side, he allows things to happen that will discipline us and correct us. Even in the New Testament, John in John 5, J- Jesus healed that man, you know, at the pool of Beth- Bethesda, and he had been there for 30, he'd come there for 38 years, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Get me in the water, get me in the water, get me in the water. I want to be healed, I want to be healed, I want to be healed. 38 years, can you imagine doing that? Jesus shows up and heals the man. Everybody's asking him, who, who healed you? And he starts telling people, hey, it was that, that guy, you know, he showed up and healed me. Jesus follows him, finds him later in the temple, verse 14 in John 5, and says, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Oh, that's serious stuff, Ida. God's healed me of this. Oh, thank you, God. And then you forget God, and all of a sudden you're going back and doing the same things you used to do, and you expect God to just keep doing what he was doing. That scripture tells me that if you have been blessed by God and you turn your back on God and you begin to walk in your flesh, that there's a price to pay for that. 
Is that what it says to you? He said, look, I've healed you. Go and walk in my direction. Follow me. Listen to me. Obey me. Walk in civil obedience or something worse could happen to you. That's a scary thought. If you've been healed of something and then you just kind of turn away and walk away from God, listen, that's serious stuff. Number eight, God's promises are true. If you're going to walk in this and take and maintain your inheritance, you've got to know every day when you wake up, God's promises are true. Behold, this day I'm going to the way of all the earth, Joshua said, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that, that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. You know why? Because Joshua was faithful to the end. You know, God's looking for people that will be faithful to the end. He really is. He's not looking for people that just get their hand stamped. Salvation. Got it. Thank you, Lord. Just going to go ahead and do my own thing. He's looking for people that will follow him. When Jesus Jesus called the, the disciples, he said, come follow me. He didn't say, come, do your own thing. He said, come follow me. And we, listen, I don't know what other preachers are preaching in this city. I do care what they're preaching. But if they're not preaching that we're still called to live a godly life, then they're not preaching the full counsel of God. If they're not preaching that we're supposed to live righteous lives, then they're not preaching the full counsel of God. You know, you can preach grace all day long, but God still has called us to step into that grace and walk in that grace and be an honor and a glory to Him. Is that true or not? I'm over my 12 minutes. <laughs> Therefore it shall came, come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. You know, I was just wish he would just stop at verse 14. <laughs> you ever read the word and go, well, I would just, just stop right there, Lord. <laughs> that, that's not the part I like. It doesn't feel so good. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. I was taught when I converted to a denomination one time that, that uh, if you were a Christian, you prayed to receive Christ, and you, it, was a, it was a real deal, it was a real conversion. But then at one point you began to walk away from the Lord, and you were disobedient, and you were actually very rebellious. I was taught that you know, that's when the Lord would take you out. I brought you in the world so I can take you out. Because you're not being obedient to him. You're not living for him. You're not being a, a glory to him. And, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if I totally agree with that. Uh, but the point is, should it ever have to come to that? Think about that. 
I know some of you have lived the lives and you've walked away from God and He's brought you back. Maybe two or three or four times. But are you going to continue to do that? Are you going to continue to test God in that? I think that's a dangerous place to be. I, I just do. I'm just speaking. This is from my heart. It's not, it's not from the, the verses like I've got written down and how I'm supposed to go through them. But some of you, you've said yes to Jesus. You've said, oh, he's my Lord and my Savior. And you've received him and you've received all of his benefits. And you've got your, you've got your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you give up so easily. You say, you know, I just can't live this life. I, I just can't do this. And I, you go back to the vomit, like the dog going back to his vomit. And I know there's some here that I, you're, you're getting this right now. You're hearing this. Might just be three of you. But you have tested God. And you said, I can do what I want to when I want to. God's already saved me. And he's got to take me into heaven. Listen, that's a dangerous place to be. He wants everything about you. He wants all of you. And I'm telling you, God's not a God that wants to play games. He's not a, oh, oh, I knew they would do that. I knew that. Well, God knew I was going to be this way. God knew. Listen, that's not God. He called us out. You know the word church, the ecclesia, is the called out ones. The Bible says in, I remember when I was in the church of God, they used to use that scripture all the time. I just didn't like it. So we were a peculiar people. So you got that right. <laughs> but guess what? We're not that peculiar anymore. We're not that peculiar. We look a whole lot like the world. I'm including myself in that. We, we look more like the world than we should, church. And we even follow the lead of the world, the way we do church sometimes. We, we think we've got to emulate the world. So backwards. God's He's working on some people today. You have kicked sand in God's eyes too many times. And there will be a day of reckoning. First of all, I just wonder for people like that, if they ever actually came into the kingdom. Secondly, I think people like that don't have a healthy fear of God. My Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we quit preaching that stuff because it doesn't sound good. But I know, I know God is positioning us in this place at Freedom Fellowship. He is positioning us. He put us in the heart of the city. For some reason, he put us in the heart of the city by the river, which represents to me the river of life, no matter what you call that river out there. He's put us in this place to be world changers, to be city changers. But we're not going to change anything if we're going to do it in our flesh and we're going to look like the world. He's calling us. And you may not ever come back here again to, after this service. Say, well, that's a hard message. Well, you know what they did? They said that same thing to Jesus. They said, well, this is too hard. And they walked away. His disciples all but the twelve left him. They said, well, this is too hard. It's only as hard as you make it. Because God says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know what we've, what we've missed in all that? We've, we've, we've quit 
abiding in Him, and we make it hard for us because we're not abiding in Him. I'm getting like three amens, so this is good. I'm just telling, I'm just being straight with you. I forget these notes, you know. It's time. It's time. Stand up. Just get to your feet. You know, as I was perusing the audience this morning while we were worshiping, the really cool thing about that is I see the lives that God's touched and radically changed. And that is so awesome. And they're staying changed. (laughs) Isn't that cool? You're walking the walk. You're living out what what you're learning. And I love it when people come up to me and say, Pastor, I've learned so much about my my language, the way I talk. I'm learning so much about the power of God. I'm learning so much about the Holy Spirit. And they share these things and just, wow, it's awesome. But that should be all of us. It should be all of us. So I'm going to do a really radical thing this morning. I want our ministry team up here. Just, Just be ready. Just want a ministry team up here. Maybe this is a warning. I, I, I don't do this normally, so you just got to know I, I'm doing this out of love. But some of you have just been messing with God. You're not, you haven't been serious. And I'm not trying to scare you. I, I've, never been, I've never been a big believer in scaring people into heaven. I am a believer in scaring the hell out of people. (laughs) Tension eased. (laughs) That's a healthy fear of God will scare the hell out of you. Seriously. But there's some of you that have just been, not been been doing the deal, haven't been living the right... I don't know what it is. You've been walking with God some, but away from Him more than with Him. And God's dealing with you this morning. I, I, I pretty much know who it is. I've got an idea. And I, I'm not saying there are even members here. Just God's showed me some people this morning. But you've come here this morning, and you're really wanting the real deal. You're tired of living that wishy-washy life here one day and not here the next. So if that's you, and I know this would be a lot of boldness on your part or faith to step out and come. And, and I would ask if these people come or when they come, if y'all would take them to a prayer room. Okay, prayer team? If y'all would take them to a prayer room. I, I think it's more than just a little blessing here at the altar. I think it's going to be some maybe some time just to have some pouring into them, loving on them. So I'm going to ask you if that's you, without any music, any fanfare, well, I'm going to pray first, and then I'm going to ask you to step out and come because this will be the day that changes your history and changes your destiny. I think some of you need that, maybe many of you. Father, this is serious stuff. Even in my office last night, you said, today there's an, 
is so important. But at that moment, I didn't know, Lord, what you meant. Because I know a lot of people here love you and they serve you and they're, they're walking in godliness and righteousness. They're doing the ministry you called them to do. They're, they're trying to grow and they're trying to mature in their faith and they're not always perfect, but none of us are, Lord. But there's some here that have just kind of played Christian. They haven't really stepped into their destiny. It's because of their wavering. They're like a double-minded and they're tossed to and back, to and fro. And, and your word says, how can that person receive anything from God if they're double-minded? But today you would bring them to a focus of where they are, where they are in their walk and what they need to do to make that change. But Lord, you're the one that will give them the strength to do that. You're the one that will empower them to do that. And they're not going to listen to the enemy that says, well, that's what you've always done. You're always going to go back to that. They're not going to listen to the enemy this morning. They're going to listen to you. And you said, return to your first love. Repent. Do the first works over. Today would be a day of repentance in the body of Christ here at Freedom. So I'm going to ask you to step out and come. Men, women, if that's you, step out and come. I'm telling you, this is a step of faith. But you're going to have a body of believers that are going to wrap their arms around you and love you and help equip you for the journey. This is serious. This is very serious. Thank you, Lord. No more games. No more games. Step out and come. I'm telling you, I don't know. I just know that if you keep testing God in this, He will discipline you. You know why? Because he loves you. God showed me some men this morning. I remember he hadn't shown me any women. He showed me some men this morning. They're just playing the game. They think they're saved. I, I, would, I would just ask you to really let the Holy Spirit search you right now. Jody, just go ahead and play something. Just quietly. Yes, ma'am. got all day 
Listen, we're not asking you to come up here and get religion. That's the last thing I'm going to offer you. Not religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. It's an empowerment. It's giving God giving you the ability to live for Him and be obedient to Him. Some of you go, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over? Listen, you need, you need God just to come in and just rearrange your whole life. tell you this is why you can't do that he'll give you every reason in the book why this is not a good idea that's the way he works but God will tell you with him all things are possible you can be a real light not a half lit light but a full blown floodlight for Jesus he comes in, saves you, radically saves you. We've seen some radical salvations here recently. People that have gone from being dead, being raised from the dead. God's doing a wonderful work in you. Now, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, our hearts to your heart our minds to your mind we speak life over this congregation we call people from darkness to light right now in Jesus name when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost they, they were so cut to the heart the word of God so cut them to the heart it was like a circumcision of their heart they just cried out they said what do we need to do I'm telling you, this is what do you need to do? You need to repent. You want repentance? Follow through with baptism? It's what you do. And you live for Him. You fellowship with Him. You walk with Him. You learn from Him. You learn from His Word. Is that you this morning? You need Jesus? Anybody else? ever seen a map like from the, the sky of a, of a city? You see all the lights in the city? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's at night and you just see the lights of the city? I, I, I see that in a way that's the way the church is. You know if you could turn out all the lights because the world is dark that we would light up the world and people would see light like they've never seen it before. You know what you want to do when you're in the dark? You want to get to the light.
get to the light. Just asking you, are you a light for Jesus? That's a good question to ask yourself. Are you a light for Jesus? If your neighborhood was in a calamity, would they come to your house? Would they know where to run because of the way you live and the example you set? Would they? couple of more minutes and then and I, even after we dismiss this morning you, you can still come for prayer I know it's getting late it's not too late though Next week, we'll introduce some of the new members that we did. We left that last week, but we got to get deacons assigned to them, so we'll wait till next week. If you're interested in getting to be a part of the Back to School Bash, that's where we're partnering up with a lot of other churches in the city for August 17th to give away backpacks with all the stuff for the kiddos, and there's going to be an evangelistic night where we're going to see kids come to Jesus. Uh, Sarah Stone will be out in the foyer and you can go and sign up with her we need volunteers to help with that uh, VBS we need volunteers for VBS so see Brother Cam after church we need people that will pour into children's lives if you can just do it one night or two nights just get involved be a light okay well Father I thank you for this day and I thank you for the decisions made and we just seal those decisions today and say that those people We're going to walk with you and live for you for the rest of their days. We love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name I just dismiss everybody. Everybody said amen. Thank you.